The following program may contain explicit language. It's Thursday, August 6th, 2020. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. The results of the New York primary are finally in. It took place in June. Now it's August. Carolyn Maloney retains the Democratic nod for her congressional seat. And a city councilman named Richie Torres will very, very likely be going to Congress, having gotten the Democratic nominee in his district. Now, I bring up these results because New York's elections were a shambles. Voting by mail didn't really work. Didn't work well, at least. So many ballots were tossed out that people must have been disenfranchised. A six-week wait is unacceptable. And if those two districts were in heavily Democrat, it would have put the winners at a significant disadvantage in the general. Not all election delays and blunders are motivated by nefarious intent. Sometimes it seems that way because we're drawn to places like Georgia where nefarious intent clearly is at play. And perhaps online or on the news, you see a shot of a long line, people waiting for hours to vote and exercise their franchise in Georgia. And the narrative is clear. Democrats are being put upon because it benefits Republicans. But I could show you a footage of just as long a line in New York, and you couldn't draw the conclusion that it's for the benefit of any party. The proper conclusion is that they are so incompetent and the system works so poorly that the results are the same as if someone was trying to essentially steal an election. Now, if we're talking about mail-in voting, you won't see the long lines, but in a way that's way worse because all the incompetence takes place off screen at a public view. There are lots of problems with elections in America, but one problem, a less scrutinized problem, is that Democrats are unwilling to fundamentally reform a system that really needs reformation because this is seen as doing President Trump's bidding. Yes, of course. Democrats are very much interested in expanding the franchise and voter access being a top issue. But when it comes to competently counting ballots and putting machines in place that can accommodate everyone who wants to vote, there's less of an incentive to get it right, especially in places without a strong Republican countervailing force. Congressman nearly-elect Torres was on WNYC's Brian Lair show, and while he said that waiting six weeks was unacceptable, his words, he framed his concerns about voting delays and because thousands of mail-in ballots were thrown out, disenfranchisement, I think too gently. Here was Torres. Look, I am concerned about you know, the administration of an election during COVID-19, but the, the president has no credibility. And I worry that some of the hyperbolic rhetoric about the integrity of New York, New York City's elections uh, plays into the hands of Donald Trump, who would love nothing more than to delegitimize vote by mail. There is a difference between administering an election imperfectly, as we did here in New York City, and rigging an election. Right? There is no evidence of rigging an election or fraud. This is the first time New York City has undertaken universal vote by mail which is a massive undertaking. And whenever you're experimenting with something new, there's bound to be growing pains. Growing pains? Well, we're not that generous with Georgia, and we shouldn't be, and we shouldn't be that generous with New York. 
Just because Trump is exaggerating the risks of mail-in voting doesn't mean there aren't lots of problems with mail-in voting. Maybe the, and, and many of them are by his design. Look at what he's doing with the Postmaster General. Let me say that. But oftentimes, the flaws of mail-in voting or regular in-person voting are not about stealing an election, but that doesn't mean that they're not about voters not being heard. Let me make this analogy. So there was this huge explosion in Beirut, and the death toll right now is over 150. Now, at first, thoughts went to terrorism, and if it were to have been terrorism, that would be a huge worry. It doesn't seem to be the case that the explosion was because of terrorism. It wasn't evil. It was just incompetent. But those 150-plus people are just as dead, no matter the cause. The area is just as leveled. Incompetence isn't as easily villainized as evil doing, but in a way that makes it seem like a less urgent problem to tackle. But I'm here to tell you it's not. Our elections are a shambles because there's little incentive to get them working correctly by the people who are in office because those are the very people who the shambolic system in the long run works out for. In New York's case, it's the very long run. We can't wait until there's a crisis on a presidential election day to realize there is already a crisis going on as we speak. On the show today, I spiel about a special land. It's connected to the leg land and the femur land. I think you know it. The fleshy part of the thigh land is in the spiel. But first, from Mississippi to New England and throughout the land, we salute, but often decry, flags. They are meant as symbols, but often they become a symbol for what was never meant. Or maybe what was. The implications and inferences of flags with Ted Kay as we convene a vexillology corner on The Gist up next. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. I wanted to flag something for your attention. Our attention has been flagging. Now, there's a lot of news going on, but we have undercovered flags. It's vexing, but it's logical. So let us talk about the vexillogical. Joining me now, as always, is Ted Kay, the secretary at the North American Vexillogical Association. He, for many years, was editor of Raven, you know it as a journal of vexillology. Thanks for coming back on, Ted. It's been a long time. It's great to be with you. Thanks. We do have a lot of flag news, and a lot of times when we talk, it's about something joyous and a community getting together to embrace a new flag. And maybe Mississippi will be doing that soon, but the news these days is mostly about taking down an old flag. So Mississippi was, tell me if this is right, the last remaining state flag with a vestige of the Confederate flag incorporated within the state flag? Mississippi state flag was indeed the last state flag to have a Confederate battle flag on it. But there are actually arguably still several states with vestiges of Confederate symbolism on them. In fact, Georgia's current state flag is actually a variant of the first national flag of the Confederacy. 
It's just not the Confederate battle flag, which has been tainted so much by hatred. I guess this is more of a political question, but what Georgia did, and we'll get to Mississippi in a second, what Georgia did is they went from the Confederate battle flag, the flag that's on the hood of the uh, General Lee and the Dukes of Hazard, the one that's very much associated with the Confederacy, and they scrapped that. That was two-thirds of their flag, and they scrapped that for the actual stars and bars, and it seems to have placated people, but... I mean, was that done as a nod to heritage that isn't so much of a thumb in the eye? Or what was Georgia's rationale for making the specific change that they did? I believe Georgia's rationale was it was the Confederate battle flag that had been tainted by the use by white supremacists, the KKK, the Dixiecrats. Now, some might argue that the Confederacy itself was a testament to slavery, and any symbolism might be inappropriate. But in the broad popular culture sense, it's the Confederate battle flag that had been co-opted and therefore was no longer appropriate to be on a state flag. Right. And Mississippi also made that decision. What are they going to do next? Mississippi on June 30th voted to retire its state flag And Mississippi currently does not have a state flag. It has a commission that's working on it. And the commission has a goal of delivering a proposal by September that will be on the ballot in November for a new state flag for Mississippi. Currently, it has nine commission members, each of whom will pick 25 designs that have been submitted to create a long list with a maximum of 225 entries by August 7th. So they have about a month to narrow down those 225 entries to a proposal that's going before the population of Mississippi. Mm. Do you have any uh, inkling about what kind of choices they'll make in the vexillological community? Are there any hints or rumors coming out of Mississippi that they'll go with the kind of flag that tries to be all things to all people, i.e. a bad design, according to your eye, or might they go in a different direction? Well, my take on it is there are three obvious choices that they might be considering. The first is the 1861 Magnolia flag a flag that was designed to represent Mississippi that has a magnolia tree on it, a green tree on white with a a red border around it. And that is a historical flag that people could simply point to and say that represents Mississippi with no overlay of today's arguments. We can just go back to a historical flag. The second design, which I think is in the running, is the so-called Stennis flag, now known as the hospitality flag, that was designed by Lauren Stennis. She designed a new flag for Mississippi, which puts a blue star, large blue star, in the middle of a white field with 19 stars around it, representing Mississippi as the 20th state. And on either end of the flag is a red bar. Think sort of like Canada. Uh, One of the challenges is that the Mississippi flag bill requires that the new state flag bear the words, in God we trust. So neither of those designs, the Magnolia flag or the uh, Stennis or hospitality flag, has in God we trust. So they would need to be amended to put those words on it. The third alternative, I think, is some form of the now lowered flag, which is 
three bars of red over white over blue with some kind of canton on it, perhaps with the Mississippi State seal, or just three stripes with the seal in the middle of the flag. And that, in fact, is the temporary flag that's been put up in the U.S. Capitol to represent Mississippi. The challenge, though, is coming up with something that will fill both the design needs and the political needs. And it's threading a very challenging needle for Mississippi to create a great flag design with the constraints that it's operating under. Okay, let us now talk about another flag whose history has collided a little bit with the present. And it is a pro-police flag that has been dubbed the thin blue line flag. Am I getting that right? Correct. Yeah. And so thin blue line is sometimes a reference to uh, the line of or the idea of the police as a uh, civilizing force, the line between chaos and order. And this flag, if you've seen it, is pretty much like the uh, United States flag, but it's rendered in the colors black, white, and blue. And it also has an additional, in many different variations, an additional band of blue throughout it. So why is this flag controversial or in the news now? The thin blue line flag, or as my colleague Scott Mainwaring calls it, the American thin blue line flag, is a variant of the U.S. flag with a thin blue line on it representing the police as the line between order and chaos. That flag came out of the original thin blue line flag, which was simply a black flag with a thin blue line on it. But in around 2014, different versions started showing up in different countries like the UK. And a young entrepreneur in the United States, Andrew Jacob, a teenage entrepreneur, created and marketed this variant. And he did it in response to the killings of police in Brooklyn in December of 2014. And that flag has become a symbol of support for the police. The challenge for that flag is that some people use it to represent opposition to the concept of Black Lives Matter. And so that flag takes on more than one meaning when people fly it. And it's hard to know what the meaning is that people intend. Ironically, that flag echoes black and white flags that are there in American popular culture. For example, hip hop use of a black and white flag or black and white and gray flag by OutKast, Andre 3000. Those flags are already in American popular culture. And so by putting a thin blue line on that flag, that becomes a co-opting of that flag that's already out there. So it's a very complex story of what's going on with the thin blue line flag right now. So I have a question about the flag code. The people who fly the thin blue flag, the thin blue line flag, uh, of course, think of themselves as highly patriotic and uh, supporting usually policemen, sometimes firemen, people have died in the line of service. But why isn't their flag sort of taking the American flag and, I don't know, maybe a technically a violation of the flag code? It's riffing on and maybe even parodying or at least using the symbol of the American flag as a basis to say something else. Why is that either 
technically allowed or seen as not a insult to the American flag? The U.S. flag code is law, but there are no enforcement provisions, which means that really it's a, a, a list of etiquette rules. It's simply how to politely treat the flag. And if you want to honor the flag, this is how to do it. The flag code also actually talks about real flags. It doesn't talk about images of flags. And it can be argued that when someone creates a thin blue line flag using the elements from the American flag, they are creating a completely different flag. That it's not the American flag, it's an American thin blue line flag. Only if they actually used an American flag and replaced the stripe might the argument be that they have, they have somehow defaced an American flag. But still, the flag code is simply etiquette. It's not enforceable law. So I heard an NPR story about controversy or the request for a town in Massachusetts for the police to take down the thin blue line flag. And some people were offended by the flag. The NPR story quoted a uh, African-American resident of this town saying, when I see the flag, I'm scared. They talked about how it became a symbol of racism and a political symbol in the opinion of a resident of the town who objected. Now, in response, the fire chief, I believe it was, said, this flag is not a political symbol. Isn't that contrary to what a flag is? Whether you think political has a pejorative tone or if the political symbol is and of itself good or bad, aren't all flags political symbols? No, I don't think I would say they are political symbols, but often flag use is political. Often people use flags in political ways. There are many flags whose original meaning has been co-opted by some other group. For example, the Gadsden flag. The Gadsden flag is the yellow flag with a snake on it that says, don't tread on me. And for 200 years, that was a relatively obscure American Revolutionary War era flag that was part of historical flag displays. But with the advent of the Tea Party, the Gadsden flag became the symbol of anti-large government don't tread on me tea party, that flag, when it's flown, one can't tell if somebody's supporting the tea party or making a historical reference. The same is true of the Confederate battle flag. That's part of the challenge that some people fly that flag for heritage and some people fly for hate. So I guess it, I, I do think it's a legitimate conundrum. And with this, I do think that there are some people who are in law enforcement or sympathetic to law enforcement who 100% do not wish to convey anything other than we feel grief for our fallen brethren. And I also think that there are some people who legitimately see this and can't not feel that there is an association with, you know, denouncing Black Lives Matter or maybe even some of the vocally anti-Black Lives Matter protests. And therefore, I'm going to punt and say if I was on a town council, I'd take into account all of the sides and not know exactly what to think. I think that there are two 
competing virtues. One is it's not up to the offenders to say, well, I didn't mean offense. And that is the end all be all of the interaction. And on the other hand, I don't think that we should have essentially uh, an offendee's veto. But if enough people are offended and do see it as connected to hate, I would, as someone running a town, want to address that. So I don't know what to think, but I wonder if you have any insight just from what you know about the history of flags as symbols. Well, it's certainly true that politicians and elected officials have to deal with the hard stuff because the easy stuff just gets taken care of. So we only see it when it gets to a conundrum, as you said. What I would counsel them to do is find a different symbol to represent supporting the police. And there are some cities that actually have flags for their police departments, like New York City's police department has its own flag. And that might be a way to show support and not use a symbol that's been co-opted or tainted and therefore might be misunderstood by some people. Ted Kay is the secretary at the North American Vexillological Association. For many years, he was editor of Raven, a journal of vexillology. Thank you so much, Ted. Thank you, Mike. And now the spiel. Donald Trump imagines a world where windmills cause cancer, where the virus just goes away and where no one has ever seen anything like the delicious chocolate cake that he served to Xi Jinping. But what color is the sky in his world, and what are the names of the places and nations that populate its coasts? Yesterday, we found out about one. Yosemites, Yosemites. Now, a lot of people didn't know this, but that was the original name that Yo! MTV Raps had for their Jewish rapper spinoff, Yo! Semite Raps. You had the Beastie Boys, then maybe a little bit of a fallow period, then you had Drake. However, instead of Yo! Semite Raps, they went with a variation of Yo! MTV Raps, Oi! MTV Raps, and then they wound up canceling the project. So maybe that's what Trump was referencing. Who knows? Today, Trump mentioned another place, a glorious land located between Neeland and Hipland. It is, of course, Thailand. Thailand. At first, I was ready to engage in mockery, light mockery of the constructive sort. But then I remembered, just a couple months ago, we all learned it wasn't Kiev, it was Kiev. So maybe the president is right. Seems unlikely, but it could be right. Thailand? The government of Thailand chafed today as leftists clashed with the forces of the right. They just rub us the wrong way, said a sweaty and retin Thailand official who had encountered pushback. It could be. What I'm saying is I can see a Thailand. But then the president swiftly corrected himself. Thailand and Vietnam. So, you knew it. He just said the name in error, which happens to the best of us, or in Trump's case, the very worst. A Thailand for Thailand swap is far from the highest blunder that you could see Trump making. We are meeting today with the head of Angola, who is, of course, Angola Merkel. It's not, that's not how it works, the country of Angola. You're, are you telling me that the queen of Lativa isn't even Queen Lativa? Is that what you're saying? That's why they call her Queen Lativa? No? Omarosa? No? Omarosa? No, Omarosa? Well, I need someone to help me with these countries. Digibooty. I will ban Digibooty. Terrible sight, like TikTok. Disgusting. What Digibooty is peddling. And of course, coded Ivor. So very, very coded. Sadly coded. A lot of people saying they're coded. That's not, that's not how you say it. It's not, is it 
coded the fourth or is Roman numerals? No, I, I don't get these African countries. Obama was so from Kenya. His daughter Malia was from Somalia right there in the name, people. Can't you just see him then introducing the ambassador to Thailand, but admitting he never cared for the Thai people or Thais in general? He's more of a butt man himself, by which he, of course, means a man from the country of Button, the great Button monks. You've heard of the Buttonese monks, so wise, but vows of silence, which is, of course, where we get buttoned up their lips. It is from Button. Anyway, Donald Trump would like to thank the entire General Assembly. Thank you once more for inviting him to speak to all of you. He didn't think that he would be invited He saw that he was uninvited, but then, of course, everyone's mind changed. Well, maybe not everyone, except you, Digibooty. He'll be watching you. And that's it for today's show. The Gist is produced by Margaret Kelly, who enjoys a nice beer from Belgium and a loaf of regional bread from Panama. You've not heard of Panama bread? Oh, it's very good on lots of corners. Goes well with a Belgium Trappist Ale. Daniel Schrader produces the gist. Now, if you're wondering, Schrader, yes, it is, in fact, a German name. We're not sure if it's from Bavaria or West Pahelia, but it's German. Alicia Montgomery, executive producer of Slate Podcast, suggests just changing the thin blue line to a thicker blue line. In fact, a very thick blue line. Let's go with all blue. That is how we should really honor the police. Just a sheet of blue. No, it is not a fitted sheet. It is not available in 300 count at Bed Bath & Beyond. Apparently, someone just doesn't like and respect the cops enough to have a blue sheet. That's on you. The gist. And I just want to say this note to all our listeners in Armenia, Algeria, and Liberia. We would like to apologize for the gist summertime recipe episode. Few of our ingredients that went out to the feed that was heard in your territories were incorrect. And we do apologize if any of you got diarrhea. Umpru depru dupru, and thanks for listening.